This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, November 19th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. The classic line long associated with school choice is, we can't give people that option because if we do, they'll take it. North Carolina has more than 20 years of experience with school choice programs. Bob Lubke directs policy at the Civitas Institute in North Carolina. We spoke last month in Colorado Springs. I'm from Kentucky, and uh, Kentucky is special in a way with respect to school choice that is uh, not really uh, worthy of envy uh, for people who are fans of school choice. Uh, so it's al- it's always interesting for me to learn what the experiences of states that have been more successful with uh, school choice programs. What uh, what's the uh, the the gem of North Carolina's school choice offerings? I think the array of programs. I mean, the fundamental premise that defines school choice is all kids are different, and parents deserve the opportunity to put their child in the best educational environment. And success in that area means developing schools that match the differences between kids, whether it be a charter school, whether if you have a special needs child, whether that be an ESA, whether that be a voucher uh, program or a voucher that allows children to attend, you know, a private school of their own choice. All kids are different. When you have a wide array of opportunities for parents that allows them to put their child in the school that best fits them. So why then has North Carolina, in your view, been successful at at having this wide range of, of programs for parents? Well, because we've had the opportunity to pass programs. We, we expanded charter schools in 2010 in the sense that we lifted, there was a cap on charter schools from 1996 when the program started to 2010. And there was an extreme backlog amongst uh, parents and children who couldn't get in existing charters. We lifted the cap on that and it has resulted in a strong demand for charter schools. Some charter schools are some of the best schools in North Carolina. They're public schools, but they're schools that are not subject to the same administrative regulations uh, that typical traditional public schools have. They're governed by a private school, by a, by a private board, and they can respond to changes in their curriculum. Uh, they can have curricular distinctives. Uh, they can meet the needs of parents who, if their child wants to attend, a, say, a school that's based more around science or the arts. They meet that need. They've been proven popular. There's, uh, as we expand the number of charter schools, the demand only grows. So it's a very popular program. You know, it's it's interesting because in some other states that have maybe less experience with school choice, or the vast majority of parents have not been exposed to it, uh, there's no demand to meet in a sense because nobody knows what they ought to be demanding. That's an interesting question, and I think really to get the, at the root of that, you have to ask parents, what do they want? We poll a lot. Uh, we poll uh, with exclusive education polls probably a couple times a year. And one of the questions that we've asked repeatedly over the last few years is, if money was not an issue and you could send your child to any school, what type of school would you send them to? And 
repeatedly over the last several years, about two-thirds of respondents have set either charter, private, or home schools, or other schools like online schools. About 28%, 28% of our respondents in January, the most recent time that we, we polled this question, said they'd send their child to traditional public schools. Now, this I'm not bashing. There are many good public schools that meet needs, but the point is all kids are different, you know, and, and if that meets a child's need, that's great. But oftentimes parents and children are looking for other educational opportunities. And as we have polled repeatedly on that question that we, we find that parents really want other opportunities than what they're getting. How do lawmakers respond to that? I mean, obviously, it's, you're showing the polls to lawmakers and policy We're showing them the, the polls to lawmakers, and we, over the last few years, we've used those, those numbers to steal spines, basically, to say, even though they will get much opposition, uh, the public wants it. The public wants additional educational opportunities for their kids. So that's that's it's very important information. It's very helpful to legislators. So uh, in the long experience, you mentioned 1996 being the uh, the initiation of charter schools in North Carolina. So the education establishment of North Carolina has had a long time to deal with this, more than 20 years. Um, did charter schools set the tone for other school choice options, or uh, is is the public school uh, establishment still fighting a lot of these options, or did they ever fight a lot well, of these Well, it's options? important to realize first when we talk about uh, charters, they are public schools. They're just a different type of public school. Um, as I said before, they're subject to different regulations. They have The administrators have more regulations. They have opportunity to um, often have curricular distinctives that traditional public schools don't have. In other words, if they want to focus on, say, uh, a technical curriculum, like, say, engineering, STEM, a STEM emphasis, or on the arts, uh, schools can't do that. They can be classical schools, schools that will uh, focus on, on classical education. You know, it, it provides uh, an opportunity for a family that's looking for something like that to enroll a child like that. It's not for everyone, but the point is... Some students thrive in that environment, and it's good to have the opportunity for a parent to make that decision. So what are, as a, as a policy matter, what are you looking for if you're looking to either endorse or uh, oppose some sort of uh, regime that would expand school choice? Um, you know, what are lawmakers sensitive to, and what are, what, is, what are you looking for as a policy group? We're looking to expand choice. Parents want choice. That's really important. Um, we have to... I'm thinking of terms of cost, in terms of regulation, in terms of impact on uh, traditional public schools, that sort of thing. Okay. And traditional public, right now, uh, charter schools have a budget of about $675 million. There's about 185 charter schools in North Carolina. Uh, they are, are legally entitled to have the same per people funding from the state that uh, a traditional public school has. Where the differences are for charters in North Carolina are that charters do not get capital costs. In other words, the, they have to 
uh, provide the cost of their own building, which can be substantial. And in most cases, it's about 30% of most charter budgets. And, and people should keep in mind that when you're talking about per pupil spending for uh, a public school, when you're comparing those among counties or among uh, states, that th th all those capital costs are not included. That's correct. That's correct. Now, even though there's this, we have the same uh, per pupil state funding, the difference is that we don't have capital costs. And also, uh, local counties, which fund the local public schools, can choose to fund uh, charter schools at or the local public school at different rates. So there is variance, and on average, it comes to about a 30% difference. Charter schools operate at about 70% of the cost of the traditional public schools. We've had legislation in the last couple of years to help on the, on the, on the capital cost end, because that's, that's probably the most significant burden for most charter schools. What do you tell uh, people in states that would like to, and of course, I'm speaking as a Kentuckian again, um, what do you tell people in other states if, if they're interested in advancing school choice in terms of, you know, what ducks do you need to have in your row in order to uh, make a serious a, a push to get that policy adopted? Two questions that you really need to think, think through when you address these questions. The first one is, who do you want to authorize charter schools? Um, in North Carolina, the State Board of Education authorizes charter schools. They take the recommendations of the Charter School Advisory Board, but that's not the best possible option for a situation like this. If if I would have had my druthers, I think a far better uh, setup would be to have an independent authorizer. Because right now, I think most of the people that advocate for charter schools in North Carolina would say it's too much of an, an environment of institutionalized animosity. Because the public schools, there are, we do have some friends there, but uh, in too many cases, we're fighting for the same, they People think we're fighting for the same pie. So it's a, almost a zero-sum game that you have to get out of somehow. Changing the authorizers, making the authorizers more independent, that's a way to address that. To have either an independent board or some other entities be able to authorize schools, whether they be universities or some other entity, that's one way to do that. So how, uh, when you... When I know that the public school establishment and its defenders tend to view uh, school choice options as something that will hollow out or drain public schools of resources, how should they respond in preparation for you know students leaving? Well, we view this as a good thing for education. Um, there are students that obviously have left based on choices they've made, but that also provides opportunities. Uh, it changes the the size of how many students are being educated. If you actually look at some of the numbers, the per student spending in some of these schools has actually gone up. Uh, there's also research to suggest that when charters are located near challenging public schools, that in the long run, charters help them because there's an element of competition. So we don't view this as zero sum. We view it as an opportunity to make both types of schools 
better. Bob Lubke directs policy at the Civitas Institute. We spoke last month at Colorado Springs. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 